welcome to the Oncology on Air podcast. I am Dr. Prashant. In this episode, we will talk about neuroblastoma. Neuroblastoma is the most frequently diagnosed extracranial solid childhood tumor representing approximately 10% of all childhood neoplasms and contributing to 15% of pediatric cancer-related deaths. This malignancy originates from the neural crest progenitor cells within the sympathetic nervous system with primary tumors predominantly discovered in the adrenal gland, the extraadrenal retroperitoneum and the thorax. Notably, neuroblastoma primarily afflicts young children and intriguingly, over 50% of cases exhibit both molecular complexity and heterogeneity. The disease manifests across a spectrum ranging from very low to high risk and has been categorized into distinct stages, each with implications for prognosis and the formulation of appropriate treatment strategies. Neuroblastoma predominantly affects young children, typically under the age of 5 years, with an average age of diagnosis ranging from 18 to 24 months. However, it can also manifest in older children and in rare instances even in adults. The incident rate stands out at 10.2 cases per million in children below the age of 15. The exact cause of neuroblastoma remains unknown. Nevertheless, certain specific molecular changes such as MYCN, MYCN amplifications are relatively common. Additionally, familial cases have been identified with some mutations such as those in ALK, anaplastic lymphoma kinase, linked to neuroblastoma, although not universal across all cases. We will now talk about the molecular characteristics of neuroblastoma. As previously discussed, neuroblastoma is characterized by its heterogeneous nature and the accumulation of genomic molecular information derived from neuroblastoma has been a long-standing practice to predict the course of newly diagnosed tumors. Consequently, prior to commencing therapy, Neuroblastoma patients undergo stratification based on various genomic prognostic parameters alongside considerations such as age, tumor histology, grade of differentiation and disease stage. Several genomic factors hold prognostic significance in neuroblastoma including DNA ploidy, MYCN, MYCN status and other aberrations such as chromosome 11q status. Unfortunately, certain genetic alterations and chromosomal aberrations that are associated with the disease indicate aggressiveness and a poor prognosis. Aneuploidy, a common cancer trait, takes on a favorable prognosis in neuroblastoma when young patients exhibit a hyperdeployed to near triploid chromosome number devoid of or with rare structural aberrations and lacking MYCN, MYCN amplification. This configuration has been linked to a favorable prognosis. Notably, intratumor diversity has been observed as a trait in most neuroblastomas regardless of clinical genotype with a stochastic distribution reflecting a process of chromosome loss from a tetraploid state. Experimental data support this finding indicating frequent chromosome loss and polyploidization in neuroblastoma cells. Neuroblastoma thus displays substantial intratumor genomic diversity 
in both numerical and structural aberrations with possible explanations involving chromosome loss at mitosis, driving selection towards polyploidization and complex scenarios of aneuploidy and clonal diversity. Certain specific changes are associated with a poor prognosis. Segmental chromosomal copy number alterations such as loss of chromosome 1P, gain of 17Q and loss of chromosome 11Q serve as predictors for relapse and are linked to inferior survival. One of the most crucial prognostic factors in neuroblastoma is the amplification of the MYCN MCN gene at chromosome band 2P24 observed in 20% of neuroblastoma cases. This amplification significantly contributes to tumor development and rapid disease progression, making it a crucial prognostic biomarker for treatment stratification. The anaplastic lymphoma kinase gene, located in close proximity to the MCN on chromosome band 2P23, 2P24 was MCN, serves as another oncogenic driver in neuroblastoma, promoting cell proliferation and survival. Mutations, alterations or amplifications of ALK have been suggested to be associated with familial neuroblastoma cases. We will now talk about clinical features and diagnosis of neuroblastoma. Due to its elusive symptomatology, neuroblastoma can develop anywhere along the sympathetic nervous system, influencing the locations of primary tumours and their potential metastasis and complicating diagnosis. Furthermore, neuroblastoma often spreads to other parts of the body before symptoms manifest. Common clinical features include fever, fatigue, weight loss, joint pain, abdominal distension, constipation, dyspnea, as well as neurological symptoms such as motor and sensory weakness due to involvement of the spinal cord. Tumors infiltrating the bone marrow may cause pallor. The most common primary tumor location is the adrenal gland, observed in 40% of cases with localized tumors and 60% of patients with more widespread disease. While an early diagnosis theoretically improves patient outcomes, more than while an early diagnosis theoretically improves patient outcomes, more than 50% of all patients already have metastasis at the time of diagnosis. Diagnosis involves a combination of physical examination, urine and routine blood tests for increased catecholamines, and various imaging modalities such as ultrasound, computed tomography, meta-iodobenzyl-guanidine scans along with magnetic resonance imaging. The International Neuroblastoma Risk Group Staging System categorizes the extent of neuroblastoma invasion into four stages. These stages include localized disease without imaging defined risk factors L1, localized disease with imaging defined risk factors L2, extensive metastatic disease M and metastatic disease with bone marrow, liver or skin metastasis specifically in patients under the age of 18 months designated MS. This staging system plays a crucial role in assessing the severity of disease, guiding prognosis 
and aiding in selection of appropriate treatment strategies. Furthermore, the International Neuroblastoma Risk Group Staging System provides a nuanced categorization of neuroblastoma into very low-risk, low-risk, intermediate-risk and high-risk groups. Prior to initiating treatment, each neuroblastoma patient undergoes stratification based on various prognostic parameters including the disease stage, patient age, tumor histology, grade of differentiation, DNA ploidy, MIC-N status and genomic aberrations such as chromosome 11q status. Patients falling within the very low and low-risk neuroblastoma categories exhibit the most favorable prognosis with overall 5-year survival rates reaching up to 95%. In the case of intermediate-risk neuroblastoma, the overall 5-year survival ranges between 80-90%. to 90%. However, a significant challenge arises as approximately 40% of all neuroblastoma patients are diagnosed with high-risk disease which carries a notably poor prognosis with reported 5-year survival rates of less than 50%. We will now talk about the standard of care treatment according to risk stratification in neuroblastoma. Treatment of childhood neuroblastoma is tailored based on risk assessment with individual categorization into low, intermediate or high-risk disease according to the Children's Oncology Group and the United States Children's Oncology Group Risk Stratification. The equivalent European body is the International Society of Pediatric Oncology Europe Neuroblastoma Group or SIOPEN. These organizations employ the International Neuroblastoma Staging System which we spoke about earlier for evaluating factors like stage and age and the International Neuroblastoma Pathology Classification to distinguish between neuroblastoma with favorable histology and unfavorable histology. Treatment options span a spectrum from observation to highly intensive multimodal treatment approaches. Surgery is often utilized to remove the neuroblastoma mass when it has not metastasized, along with adjacent lymph nodes. In case where complete tumor removal is challenging, a biopsy may be conducted to gather more information about the tumor's molecular characteristics. For patients with low-risk neuroblastoma, treatment may involve observation or tumor resection through surgery. The current 5-year overall survival for low-risk patients is approximately 98%. For children with intermediate-risk neuroblastoma, moderately intensive multi-agent neoadjuvant chemotherapy with doxorubicin, cyclophosphamide and etoposide with or without surgical resection is recommended. The goal of treatment is to deliver a sufficient duration of chemotherapy with or without surgery to achieve at least a partial response that is at least a 50% reduction of the soft tissue mass and resolution of metastatic disease. The duration of chemotherapy is typically 6 to 24 weeks and is optimized based on specific tumor, histologic and biologic characteristics. Patients who receive longer durations of chemotherapy have tumors with unfavorable histology such as diploidy or segmental chromosomal aberrations such as loss of heterogeneity of chromosome 1p or unbalanced loss of heterogeneity of chromosome 11q. The number of cycles depends upon tumor biology 
as we just mentioned, and responds to therapy, aiming for a partial response with a significant reduction in the tumor mass. Radiation is reserved for intermediate risk patients with progressive or unresectable disease after chemotherapy. The five-year overall survival for intermediate risk patients is around 95% with efforts to decrease the duration and intensity of therapy to minimize adverse effects. High-risk neuroblastoma demands intensified therapy typically delivered in three phases. This includes the induction phase, consolidation phase and maintenance or post-consolidation phase. The induction phase involves chemotherapy with dose-intensive cycles. The most widely used induction regimen includes five cycles of chemotherapy with a combination of agents vincristin, cyclophosphamide, topotecan, doxorubicin, cisplatin or etoposide. The Kojek combination regimen, a combination of cisplatin, vincristin, carboplatin, etoposide and cyclophosphamide is used in Europe. Following the induction phase, the consolidation phase includes tandem cycles of myeloablative therapy rescued by autologous stem cell transplantation which was collected during induction chemotherapy and radiation therapy to the primary tumor site. Radiation to the primary tumor bed is recommended for high-risk neuroblastoma and is administered after consolidation therapy in most treatment protocols. Radiation is beneficial in preventing local tumor recurrence. There is a debate about whether the RT field should include lymph nodes adjacent to the primary tumor. A maintenance post-consolidation phase may follow, aiming to eliminate potential minimal residual disease after stem cell transplantation. For patients with high-risk neuroblastoma, post-stem cell transplantation, dinatuximab along with granulocyte, macrophage, colony-stimulating factor and isotretinoin have been shown to improve event-free survival. With these strategies, the 5-year overall survival for high-risk neuroblastoma can reach up to 56-60%. to 60%. With that, we have come to the end of the first part of this episode. In the second part, we will talk about targeted therapy in neuroblastoma along with emerging treatment strategies. Thanks for listening.